Hello and welcome to the Spoon Carving Conversations podcast, where I talk to spoon carvers from around the world about how and why they carve spoons. I'm Simon Pauley and in this episode I talk to Rebecca Larson. Rebecca lives in Hickson, Tennessee and started carving spoons in 2017. Right from the start, Rebecca felt like carving and creating was something she was meant to do. It was always there, just waiting to be discovered. After deciding she wanted to create income from her passion, she got busy making and creating connections and avenues to sell her work, such as Etsy, Instagram and local markets. Rebecca found examples and guidance from other successful entrepreneurs, such as Emmett Van Dresch and Pat from Clippy Knocky Woods, and she is using novel ways to share her work and connect with people. Rebecca's love for wood and craft is very obvious, and it was really fun to talk to her today. Happy listening and happy carving. Hi, Rebecca. Good morning. Thanks for joining me. Hi, absolutely. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. I have been following your work um, for quite a while on Instagram, like many of the other people I've uh, met and talked to, and I kind of scrolled back through your history. For me, that's always fun to try and go back to the start <laughs> and get a little... Uh, uh, yeah, get a little idea of how it started. Do you remember your first post or your first? Oh my gosh, my first post. Um, I can remind I, you if you like. <laughs> I saw I it. Have an image in mind, um, but then I can't remember if it was on Facebook or not. It was like so. This is a new thing, and I was carving a spoon. Um, a large cooker spoon and it was actually something that I had bought from Woodcraft and it was kiln dried cherry <laughs> that I was carving. I think that might have been my first. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm not sure. I couldn't tell that it was a uh, kiln dried, but it was a yeah, big spoon, like a, a big cooking spoon and it was like freshly oiled. And then you'd made a video of it, which was quite interesting. It wasn't just a photo, it was a video with like really epic music in the background <laughs> like it was just kind of panning across this freshly oiled spoon and um yeah with this epic music and in the words bow chicka wow wow <laughs> to nice. go with it and I could just tell like from that <laughs> post and that effort you'd put in to like make the video you were like yeah really happy with the spoon and that's what I've spoken to other people about like how I think those first spoons we carve if you're happy about it and it means something to you it can often be the start of something more which was the case with you and myself so I could kind of see your excitement through this post you like yeah really put an effort and celebrated it which was really cool um so you remember carving that spoon huh it was kiln dried kiln dried yeah and then how how did you get the idea? Do you remember what gave you the inspiration to carve this first spoon? Um, okay. First off, it wasn't my very first spoon. It was one mm. that, I, you know, after I had gotten the bug, so to speak, I jumped in with that one. But um, yeah, I do remember. And uh, it's actually my husband and his family are into woodworking. They are the more refined woodworkers, though. So like big stuff. They use the machinery. It's all very um, perfectionist kind of thing. Um, so I would just sit next to him while he's scrolling through his Instagram feed, which is a lot of woodworking stuff. Um, and the occasional spoon would 
come through, pop up. Mm-hmm. And I got really curious. I'm like, I think I can do that. So I went downstairs and I found my kids' little crafting knives, you know, just simple stuff that you can get at any basic store. And I grabbed a two by four <laughs> and I, uh, I made a spoon and I, I still have it. It's in my sugar bowl. It's just this teeny tiny little thing. But um, I, I well remember, you know, like, how do I make a spoon out of this? How do I get the angles that I'm used to seeing? So it was just very I dove in headfirst with the creative process and, and the visualization and Mm-hmm. Ah, very cool. And were you then, so if your husband was and his family were doing this woodwork, were you already involved in that too with them? Like using tools and this stuff? stuff? Were uh, you? I was more like the assistant in these kinds of situations. I was always like, I'm there with whatever tools you need. I know like how to hold this so you can clamp it and that kind of stuff. I was, I was the assistant, so I wasn't necessarily, you know, in the carpenter side of things, <laughs> mm-hmm. but you were around it. And, and so what sort of things um, was he making like furniture or. Um, he's done. Furniture. That's a big one in the family. Um, he actually has a cousin who makes super intricate clocks and, and bookshelves and stuff, but um, my husband, he's he dabbles in a lot. He does like he's done little boxes with a lid and like the handle attached, um, lamps, bookshelves, bed um, bed frames and stuff. So all over the place. He actually wants to make a guitar. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's the dream. So <laughs> one of these days. Yeah, cool. And like a big thing is then. Not to have the tools and the access to the stuff. So you, when you started, then with that first spoon, yeah, you, you had a workshop or, or between you, you had the space and the tools, which is also a, a nice way to start. Now a lot of people, yeah, I want to carve a spoon, but it's like you've got a pocket knife. You started with simple spoons, but you had um, saws and and some sort of workshop around yeah. you. Jump start, definitely. Yeah, and then yourself, how was it? So you had that with him and yourself, like growing up, your own family or your parents, this kind of do-it-yourself making stuff, <laughs> crafting. Was there some of that around you? Definitely. Um, not big in the DIY, but uh, definitely craft-oriented, very artistic. Both my parents um, draw, paint. Mm. That, my brother got that skill set. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um but definitely very crafty. Um, fiber craft. I was I learned how to knit and crochet when I was like four, just to keep me busy while I was. So I wasn't a pest during uh, Bible studies and that kind of thing. Um, so I've done that. I you know sewed a lot, made a lot of stuff, and but never really like crafted until like with wood. Um, until I think I started like six years ago almost yeah and do you think i'm just i think all of that stuff helps though right like even if you're drawing a bit or sewing or scissors anything with your hands i think helps you i don't know how much exactly but i'm sure that all helps like do you think so too or like when you started with the um 
spoon carving, like with the tools, did you feel like you had a pretty good feeling for it quickly or was that something that really took a while? Um, so yeah, I do feel like it was, um, like it came very naturally. Um, but I always attributed it just to, I was always meant to carve spoons. It was in me. It was a passion that I just hadn't discovered yet. Um, but it is interesting to think that perhaps having that, that creative, crafty, artistic bloodline, so to speak, maybe predisposed me to carving spoons. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know myself, but I had the similar thing like growing up. Um, yeah, my mom knitting and making stuff mm-hmm. and sewing and yeah, doing stuff. And I was the same drawing when I was younger and I'm sure that uh, plays a role. Um, so yeah, you sort of say you were kind of like t- destined to carve spoons in a way it was something there. I Yeah, it's funny how much it can feel like that. It just feels right when you're carving and doing the thing. Huh? It's like, oh, this fits me really well. <laughs> um, yeah. Did you ever have... I'm like, you never know what skill set you're going to have if you don't continue to try something. Mm-hmm. So always try new things because something will click. You can have, you know, four or five amazing skill sets. Don't just settle on one. You know, Keep trying things because you never know. Mm-hmm. And even if you're not like instantly uh, good at it, if you have that thing, what I mentioned, that kind of joy of it from the start, I think that's the most important thing that'll keep you going and your skills will uh, come up with it as long as you yeah, put the time in. For so sure. That. Definitely. Did you have other things like that? Yeah, you're sewing. Anything else that was like really grabbed you and you got obsessed with when I was younger I definitely had that I think a lot of kids have that where they have hobbies where they like go full on into and I need this this new BMX or something and I love it and it's kind of your obsession and and then maybe yeah months or years later you get over it but because I have this myself like collecting things and different sports where I was like fully into and then some of them faded um I'm wondering maybe with spoons, I'll kind of get over it and uh, it'll be something I used to do. I don't think so. But do you remember anything like that where you really just, yeah, got really into it? I was a simple kid. I didn't, I didn't really have hobbies, so to speak. I didn't get into sports at all, not athletic. Um, I, I mean, my, my favorite pastime was just, going out into the woods. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, I just, I, I guess I imagined that I had to survive a lot. So I would make, um, you know, lean to forts and I would fashion this mattress out of the, like the climbing, uh, not climbing, but the vining moss that grows just underground. I'd pull that up and I'd make these bundles and I'd make a mattress. I'd spend hours out in the woods just doing stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that that counts as a hobby. Yeah, okay. Hey, yeah. like I do that. <laughs> Happily. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So that can be a big then reason. Um yeah, why you connect so much with it now because yeah, it definitely connects you with 
the nature, I don't know, outside collecting wood to different degrees. Some people I've spoken to and seen like live in the woods and carve in the woods. It looks amazing. But even if you're living in a town or a city, yeah, yeah, you're getting your wood from somehow and your eyes are open to looking at the trees or in the parks collecting things. All the time. It's tough for my family to go on a hike with me because I'm constantly, you know, stopping. Look at this. Look at this. Oh, wait, guys, do you see this? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm the same. And I have a little saw now with me just for that that reason (laughs) that I'm out and about. I've had it where I've seen um, wood or a fallen tree and I thought, oh, I'll come back. And I've come back and it's all gone. And it was like, Uh, no, that was like the nicest piece yeah. of cherry or something so I carry a little sword just uh, for those moments where I can take a piece my what I generally do is chop off a little piece and throw it in a bush somewhere nearby if I can't take it with me a little wood stash and I'll uh, go back and, That's and get a good... it later <laughs> yeah so yeah you really kind of connect with the wood itself which you I also can feel through your uh through your posts um so you had that from early on and yeah, working with the wood seems to have yeah, reinvigorated this, huh? You really celebrate that. You even, uh, what did you, like wood porn, one of your posts was like, oh, this is like wood <laughs> porn. You had, you had to blur it out. It was just too, too sexy. So <laughs> that's really funny, but I can totally relate to that, that yeah, fascination with looking uh, chopping into a piece of wood and the colors. What is there a certain um, type of wood or something that you really love, or are you kind of uh, trying everything? Or how was that your kind of wood supply and the types of wood you you use? Uh, I mean, there are favorites um, depending on certain things. So you know, we we all have favorites to carve. Um, especially if it's like the sweet spot of it's like three months old, it's just so mm. good. Um, but then there are also the favorites to, to just look at, um, which generally, honestly, the more I think about it, those are not necessarily what I like to carve <laughs> like Oak. Oak uh-huh. is to look at, you know, with the medullary rays and all the flex and, and it kind of shimmers beautiful but i don't carve it <laughs> yeah because what it's too hard or um it has a very small window of this is awesome to carve but i also i tend to avoid the uh, ring porous woods for the utensils just because in my mind they're more liable to soak up liquid or not be as easy to clean and disinfect in between uses so um i know a lot of people use oak happily but um, Mm -hmm. especially woods that are just much easier to work with they have a longer um window of nice to carve um easier to store that kind of thing okay what um what else what's another type of wood that you could think of that's like falls into that category nice to look at but not so nice to carve i mean it's nice if you have the option to choose right like you have that wood but you've got other if you're living somewhere with enough wood you can choose which is nice some people don't have that and they just have to kind of carve what they have 
yeah, well, where I am at uh, in Tennessee, we have, I think, one of the largest uh, selections, I guess, of, of trees that, that grow here. Um, so I get to try all kinds. I uh, have a great big um, local area that all the arborists, when they do their pruning for the day, they just dump it. So it's a literal mountain of wood that anybody mm-hmm. can come through. So I get to try all kinds. Um, elm is another one of those that's gorgeous to look at. Um, not so great for me to carve. Mm-hmm. Some people love it, but it's just... Um, I don't know if it's, it's high in silica or it's um, the way the grain grows, but it's just really hard on um, knife edges and it gets hard pretty quick. But mm-hmm. and it stinks. Oh, okay. <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. I'm just, I don't even know if there's elm, like I've heard of an elm tree differently, but I'm not even sure what it looks like actually and if it grows here in germany i sort of have also the the species the kind of trees that i know now and that i normally find and i kind of stick to those um so i've never carved elm i've never carved oak which is also around me but i also saw that some people said yeah it's not so easy and can be twisty and so i kind of didn't even bother i to, to, to try it because I uh, have plum and cherry and those more uh, more uh, common woods you see people carve. And I, I really like them, so I stick to them generally. But that's cool. You have a an arborist nearby where you can actually just try the different woods. And you must then have a lot of mystery woods if the pile is there. And there's, I guess, not always someone there to tell you what kind of wood it is. Yeah. 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 It's the uh, knowledge that it requires to ID wood is exhausting. Um, And, you know, I've been at it, what I say, six years, I think six years. And I think I really only can confidently (laughs) ID, I don't know, seven or eight woods, you know, Mm. it takes a long Plus, you know, like you said, if it's this pile of already cut stuff, you really only have the end grain and the bark to go by. Yeah. You can put it right there and see what the edge grain looks like. You don't have leaves necessarily. You don't have, you know, the twigs because I know like the way the buds form and against each other or parallel. I don't remember the words, but that's another ID um, characteristic. So, yeah, it's. It's a challenge. I love it. I think it's, I think it's fun. Um, but then, you know, you could be wrong. <laughs> yeah. But I guess it doesn't, uh, it doesn't matter. Like, I mean, it's kind of, I don't know, in a way I'm kind of like me, maybe I'm a bit boring, but I stick to the woods I know. Uh, I'm not against like trying something new, but do, is that something you actively, like you enjoy doing like mystery wood? I'll try it, try something new and see what happens. That's something you do on sure. purpose yeah yep i love it um kind of for the same reason going back to what i said that i tell my kids all the time like you don't know until you try so it could be your next amazing go-to wood mm. and would know because you're just you know no nope, i these are the three that i carve and i'm not going to try anything else but 
Um, yeah, I, I actually did that recently. I was given um, some brown turkey fig that I'd never carved before. And it was small diameter because it was a very fast growing kind of pest tree in their yards. Or like they just had to hack it down again. So I think it needs regular pruning kind of things. So I, I carved. It was beautiful to carve, super buttery. It wasn't like waxy or stringy and it didn't leave a lot of sap. So it was great. But then the next day, the spoon was just warped. Like, oh, uh, yeah. Up really weird. It had twisted at an angle from the handle, and but it hadn't split anywhere. It just kind of sucked in on itself. So I took that little tidbit and um, I'm like, well, okay, I wonder what a bowl would do. You know, if I cut it bark up or bark down, we'll see what the different um, orientations do to the finished product. So I did that. And both the bowls just dried normally. Like they didn't really mm-hmm. warp very much at all. So then I tried cookies. So I just cut extremely thin cookies and let them sit and they made their own little bowl just sucked in on itself and it it cupped beautifully so that's where I went with that wood Mm -hmm. so now I really cool little pinch bowl freeform thing and I made ornaments from it so but yeah if I hadn't hadn't tried it or if I had been discouraged by that first spoon and not you know expanded the options um then it's probably something that I would have not considered doing yeah yeah cool that you that you do that (laughs) maybe i'll yeah try because i have some different trees around me too that i don't know that i yeah could could try i think i've but i've had the experience that i tried new wood and it was just like super hard and didn't work and then i'm kind of quickly to go back to what i like it was uh i think it's called black locust rabina i looked it up yeah do you know this tree i do yeah what do Um, you know it is the name black locust yeah yeah um and i do i do use it for the teeth and my combs because um and and uh guitar picks as well because Mm. of its density and its um resilience uh, i think that's the wood that around here anyway i have heard that farmers use as fence posts because it resists rot for so long you can find a hundred year old fence post from black locust and it's still strong still sturdy um so yeah that's why i chose that wood for the teeth and my combs because i can get it real small mm. really waxy finish so it kind of to me, it was perfect. Plus, super cool. I haven't tried this yet, but apparently it glows under black light. Wow. Really? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, okay. But that's a good way to kind of to do it. Then that's something I wanted to ask you about too, to you do separate things. I mean, for me, it's like, oh, this is super hard wood and it just takes me much, much longer and there's much more wear on my tools. Why would I do that if I have these other woods? But exactly what you're doing by cre- by making these uh, different items, then it, then it really suits the purpose. And that's something you're doing also is like, yeah, creating a lot of different things. Um, I wrote down here your hair sticks, 
pigs, bowls, bookmarks I saw, rings, trays, um, among other things. There's more. Those are a few things. So you're really you're doing spoons mostly. Is that right? But all these other things. And do you do that because you're selling your work, right? Yeah. Um, it's it's a, a mixture. Um, I would say initially, yeah, it was just spoons. And then I would get asked, hey, can you make this? Mm-hmm. Or um, I would get sent a picture like this is my favorite spoon and it's got a crack now. Can you replicate it? And they'd send me, you know, dimensions. Little, It's endearing, honestly, all the little chicken scratch and like notes and very specific measurements. So um, I'd say a lot of the items that I make currently are because of people reaching out mm-hmm. or either replacement or I saw this online. Can you make it kind of thing? Um, and then I have my go-tos, you know, that I just kind of, because I do markets, I have to keep an inventory up. So I just kind of have my templates and duplicate those. And then other things I just, I'm curious. I want it for myself or like the orange peelers. I grew up with an a plastic orange peeler and hardly ever, I guess, purchase oranges, but we had some and it just hit me. Like I, I can carve one of those and I don't have one right now. So let's do it. <laughs> so yeah. Imagine. Uh huh. Yeah. So people kind of, yeah, specifically asking you in your interest, the orange peeler, I can't kind of uh, imagine that. Like I've never used an orange peeler. Can you it's describe, not, is that a specific it, tool for peeling oranges? Imagine an orange. Yeah. The orange peeler has a hook on one end, and then it tapers down to broaden and, and thin. So it's got kind of like a, a tail on the end of the handle. So you hook at the top of the orange, and then you kind mm-hmm. of slide around all the way around. So you're cutting the peel all the way around. So you do that. Um, two or three times so you get probably six petals mm-hmm. and you flip the orange peeler over and you stick the end of that thin tail under the edge of one of the petals and just peel it off i think i can imagine it so if i'm imagining it right it's like a kind of like a whale tail but not straight it's kind of bent over and it's almost sliding underneath the skin i'm doing a terrible job at describing this it's something like a whale tail, but bent, and this hooks underneath the skin without damaging the flesh. Right. It's it's yeah. just deep enough to cut through mm-hmm. the zest, the peel part of the orange, um, and hopefully the that awful white pithy stuff that sticks to the outside of the the actual orange segments. Um, yeah, without without getting any juice. So then mm. you know. Normally, I don't know, do you do it with thumbnail kind of thing? Just poke and peel until it's all off? Yeah, or yeah, or my or my uh teeth. <laughs> That's really gross. Like kind of bite in and uh <laughs> then just my fingers. Yeah, I don't have a very great uh a way of peeling oranges that I might have to look into this tool, but I never had seen this before or heard of this uh, specific tool. And was that something you'd already used and it was made from something else or was it always made from wood? 
Yeah, it was it's plastic, so Tupperware. Oh. Okay. That's- yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, and <laughs> see all these things I'm learning. Mm. What else? Um, and what else sells really well? Like uh, I think one of your recent posts too, you'd had a, done a whole lot of bookmarks. And had you burnt in the pictures, you'd made these really lovely thin bookmarks, and then it looks like you've burned in, rather than coal rosing, you've burned in the pictures. Is that how you made yep. those? Yeah. Um, so we have the the razor tip wood burner, which is an excellent wood burner. Um, yeah, and we got that, like you, you mentioned coal rosing, and I did try that um, early on, but from a very early stage, I was thinking, um, time invested because mm. I, I did want this to be more of like a source of income kind of thing, not just a hobby to pass the time. So yes, I was always thinking of my time invested, which wood burning versus coal roasting wood burning chase so much faster, so much faster. So that's why I, um, got into that bandwagon, but yes, the bookmarks are wood burned. Um, some of it's freehand, all the writing is just, just me writing. Um, but a lot of the designs, you can tell which ones are done by my daughter. Cause she's, she's the artist. She got that from my family. <laughs> yeah. <Not> for me. <laughs> um, so yeah. And then I, she, she, um, either hand draws it or does it, um, on her iPad and then sends me the design I print it off and I do it. I uh, transfer it with carbon paper and then I would mm-hmm. burn it. But yeah, they're oh, yeah. a favorite. Bookmarks are always, always selling. Yeah. And those are made uh, with dried wood, I assume. And you're kind of getting a thin, what sort of tool do you use to cut just uh man, I my knowledge of like tools and workshops <laughs> is not there. I wouldn't even know what to call one of those. Uh, saws you might have to tell me what tools you use to cut a thin slice of dried wood (laughs) i use a bandsaw a bandsaw bandsaw yep so um it's it's really easy they have um a fence that i can use so i can easily set a very specific thickness and just Mm. lab it up so then i have this stack of rough cut um thin slabs and then I sand them smooth and shape the edges and then I can wood burn. Oh, it's very important to start with, with wood that's already dried. So I have to kind of stay on top of my stock, um, what's seasoned. And if I have to bring some in from the wood pile, in which case I usually, um, kind of block it up into rough dimensions and thicknesses and stuff. Um, and then set it, we have a sunroom that gets nice and hot. So I set it in there until it's dry. Cause if I slab it up when it's still wet, then they'll just wiggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, by branching out into all these things, you learn more and more, right? I mean, if you just stick with spoons, I guess your spoons, you still learn as you go and your spoons might get more and more refined and you can, yeah, try new decorations and new details and something I'm doing a little bit more of chip carving, for example, but by 
creating different objects yeah your skill set grows massively doesn't it because you're using this burning tool and these different saws and yeah a whole range of tools to make the stuff you're making yeah and it it um not only does it expand your your knowledge base of the woods and how they react and and behave but it's also um it breaks up the monotony i guess Mm -hmm. and that way because i i get joint pain a lot if i carve too many hours in a row or too many days in a row so doing these other things also helps avoid that kind of overuse um which you know wasn't my intention in doing it it just it pays off <laughs> Works yeah out. yeah oh, that's yeah that's also a good way because yeah exactly as you say just doing the one thing over and over um yeah can definitely be hard on your body um how is it then your time like now that you're doing it um yeah making an income off it do you how often do you get to carve something like you're doing commissions probably and your uh, inventory you're trying to keep up so you might see oh, i am want to do more spoons or this or that how often do you um just sit down and have a piece of wood and carve a new spoon just for the fun of it. Like, do you make time for that in between or? I try. So especially this year, it's been a new, it's, it's been a challenge for me to create this mindset. Um, But just making more time for downtime. Mm. Um, Whether That's, you know, carving a spoon because I want to, or, you know, playing a sport with my son or crocheting, you know, just more relaxing stuff. Mm. Um, here I was, I was balls to the wall and just working, working hard. Like that was my mission. And it, it was, I based my satisfaction on, of the day on how productive it was. Um, so I was just always productive. So I was, I was happy. It was great. Um, but I, I, I feel like other areas in my life suffered a little bit. Um, I missed just having the, uh, the capacity to stop what I was doing to go just have a, an hour long conversation with one of my kids, you know, um, and more often than not, I'd be like, well, I have to finish this first. And mm. I didn't like, I didn't like that aspect of it. Um, so yeah, this, this year I've definitely been like, just slow down more, um, make more time for other stuff that matters a lot. Your health matters a lot. Make more time for that quality time with family, quality time with you, even if it's, you know, go for a walk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, it's been it's been a big switch in my head my head but um it, it's been good it's a and i'm still just as productive but um i don't base my satisfaction of the day on that anymore to a point um because another mindset switch was what counts as productivity and now it's like, well, I went for a walk and I got this hour long conversation with my kid and we went to play tennis. 
oh, and I carved a couple spoons. So it's like, yeah. it's not, I completed these four orders today. Hell yeah. It's, I did all these awesome things and that was productive. That's, that's really good. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I veered way off track there, but I do occasionally carve spoons just for the fun of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's really, uh, no, it's very interesting to hear exactly. And yeah, making time for the rest of it. And that's all, it's, uh, it's good for us yeah, to not <laughs> just go too deeply in any direction and yeah, only put, yeah, get too obsessed about the numbers or this. And I guess a lot of people have it with their own work, whatever they're doing, the work yeah, takes priority, but yeah, these times to give ourselves to do nothing, uh, and just sit there and yeah, read a book or or times with our kids. And it's probably hard because yeah, if you're doing it at home and you're around your kids, you could be like, you could always go and work if it's kind of there, but then sometimes you might be like, ah, but now my kid wants my attention or now it's, I can drop it. Even I have that. I'm just carving spoons for hobbies, uh, like for fun. But even sometimes I've been carving. Sometimes it, it's, really nice the moments where I'm carving and my kids are drawing or reading mm. or doing something and we're kind of doing it together but there's other times where like my kids they're younger than your kids where they're like oh stop carving like <laughs> thing and I'm like oh hang on I'm just yeah I yeah. just want to finish this and I'm the same to myself like no just leave this food like I can go back to it but I'm quite I guess everyone who's carving knows that feeling of like oh no just this little bit more and <laughs> like wanting to keep going but so even I feel that like nah put it to the side my kid wants my attention now and uh yeah it can wait (laughs) yeah it's an important thing because I used to do that with you know my kids are older now but you know a few years ago when I was really into um you know learning and and I was just starting to get orders so I felt like this pressure almost like, oh, I have to deliver this now. Um, you know, we, we go to the local lake to swim and I would take my carving stuff. Like you guys go swim. I'll yeah. just gonna work, you know? And then that, I mean, they were good. They were so good about it. They understood and they were patient, but you know, <laughs> look, just take the hour off and go swim with your kids. <laughs> yeah. Manage the spoon. I promise. Yeah, totally. And like you see it with some parents, and I can be quite judgmental. You know, the classic kids are playing, parents are on their phone. That's something like you're missing your child. But I mean, if we're just carving a spoon, we're also not there with our our kids, you know? (sighs) But then there are the nice moments where, yeah, you can be carving and maybe they're doing something else. I love those times where everyone's in their own little world doing their Mm. thing but together it's really nice peaceful yeah when you kind of decided to make it a a a business and make a living from it how was that like did you i guess you got support from your family and did you have examples of other people you look to like doing this i think in some posts you mentioned had some contact with Emmett, who's also like someone who I've seen who's, yeah, 
making a living and shares a lot of information about that, about yeah, how to do pricing and yeah, some good stuff. Did you have some examples like that? Like, ah, you can do this. I can do this. For sure. Emmett was up there. Definitely. Um, he actually did a, a course, like a free follow along kind of course a few years ago that I participated in. And it was every month you have this goal and do your best to achieve it because he laid out this kind of game plan of what, what worked for him as far as making it um, a source of income, an actual business. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned a lot from that. And like you mentioned, he he's openly sharing um, very valuable information and tips um, constantly still on his page. That helps a lot. Um, other than than that, I, I mean, then Emmett, I'm I'm trying to remember if there was anyone from a making a living. I mean, Pat at Clipnaki. Mm-hmm. He was the first wound carver I followed. And, you know, just knowing that he supports his whole family just from his Etsy shop, that was huge. You know, that was very motivational. Like, this is achievable. I, I yeah. can do this. It's being done. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Etsy is, I think, a place a lot of people uh, would would go to or sell then also there's um through instagram itself like posting there and getting people ordering probably directly through that and and taking up contact like that and the other one or the main one maybe there's other ways is like the markets i guess like going out in person how's the different relationship like between them do you enjoy one much more than the other is one Mm. you you prefer or or between those ways of kind of selling spoons and making a living, how do you feel about those? That's a good question. So I started with Etsy um, before I really had made a name for myself. I didn't have much of a following. So that was a struggle. Like I didn't, mm. I didn't sell very much on Etsy. So I met, I eventually just stopped. I pulled everything off shelf, so to speak. Um, and then just devoted my time to, markets and Instagram. And then Instagram blew up. I got, I don't, I don't know the secret, but I got a ton of followers all of a sudden. Mm. And um, with it came the sales, the inquiries, the sketches to replace favorite spoons, things like that. Um, So while I was doing markets, um, the Instagram also got big. So it was kind of, they both grew together at the same time as far as what i get from each and the enjoyment from them i mean they are different um markets are awesome because it's you know it's my community it's my local economy so to speak so i feel like it's really important to continue doing markets keeping my face out there people get used to seeing me and my products and they're like hey i know a spoon lady Mm -hmm. Um, so that's Mm -hmm. huge you know, I've, I've found friends that way, people that have similar interests and likes. I've made connections with arborists, and like, give me their number so I can contact them. Or they're like, hey, I have this tree. Can you come get it? You know, it's the, there's a lot of perks to maintaining the local contacts for sure. Um, plus, it's just fun 
to to be at a market and have people enjoy what you do like put it out there and they also find it beautiful and they share stories of you know their grandpa would always whittle a spoon you know so it's like community it's very it's very communal when you can talk about your passion with people in the area that's pretty neat um but then on the flip side instagram like you connect with so many more people who have Mm. the same and uh it's just more widespread so there's um a more colorful variety of Mm. people that you get to interact with um and learn learn about learn how they carve or you know the woods that they have access to because it's all different based on where you live um the tools that's a big one you know other people sharing you know this new knife maker Mm -hmm. which actually is also really cool because i have the local spoon harbors like kind of in the area that we all get together somewhat often um and that's where I've gotten to try new tools. That's it's one perk of getting together with local carvers is that you can try new things um, before committing to buy them. So that's that's a perk. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Hmm. So I guess yeah, it still is the case of like in person, the markets you just have more space for yeah building. Yeah, those relationships, like you said, with the people and the arborists and yeah, more more of a personal level, it still is like that. And Instagram is still community and exactly people make friends and meet, but maybe not on that direct level. And then Etsy might be one step further away, right? Or like on Etsy, I haven't used it. You probably don't have much interaction, do you? Or do people like ask questions there? Have you do? Um. I mean, the little bit of interaction that I had when I had the Etsy shop open, yeah, it was very kind of distant. It was just a shopper mm. making an So, I mean, you have, you know, your name and, and their address, but that's about as personal as it gets. Yeah. You, uh, yeah, it's just completing an order. Yeah, it's not as personal, huh? Unless they have a special request, in which case, you know, they'll message and explain what they're looking for and ask if you can do it. Um, but generally, yeah, you're not actually connecting at all. It's just your your shop to them. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it depends on your uh, the goal of, of what you're doing, though. No? might be good to still have it there. Maybe you do find people and you can sell, but if you're more interested in the actual uh, community than Instagram or going out to a market seems like uh, like the way. And as some people on Instagram share more, right? That's always interesting for me too. Like some people just show their work and you don't know anything about them. It's quite funny. It can be interesting, just mysterious. Who is this person carving these amazing spoons? Like I, I sometimes want to ask them to talk to me too, where I don't know anything. Generally, it's someone like yourself where I have a bit of a feeling for the person where I think like, ah, oh, yeah, I can imagine talking to them. And it's definitely the case with you because you have these week and review videos. So that's something very unique where, yeah, you really get to see yourself and hear you talking and get a bit of a, 
a feeling for yourself. So how did that come up? Uh, when did you start doing that? Why did you start doing it? And how was it for you to do those videos? Because even for me, it's like even talking and then posting on Instagram is kind of like, oh, I'm putting myself out there to another level as just posting my work, even though I don't know. It's funny. Um, I honestly can't remember how how many years I've done the Week in Review videos. Um, and I want to say that the idea came just because when you when you post a picture, you lose a lot of of the like the the vibe of the spoon. You can't really mm-hmm. see those. You can't like put it together just yeah. from you know a series of photos, even if you have all ten. Yeah, so, <laughs> thirty photos, all the angles, and you still don't quite capture the magic of this. But exactly. So then I'm like, well, a video would be cool, but. You know, I think back then you couldn't post multiple videos in one post. Um, so then I'm like, well, I'll just I'll just do this video showing like everything, and I'll be able to rotate it, and they'll have perspective. They'll see it in my hand. They'll be able to tell like basically how large it is, and I don't know, it may be kind of cool. And back to Emmett, he was always giving the advice of be relatable, be as, as, uh, real as possible because people will remember you more. Um, Mm -hmm. you'll make more of an impression and they'll want to interact with you because you feel like a real person to them. So, um, that's another, another reason behind doing the week in review videos is like, it's just me. I'm just showing what I've done and, um, yeah, I, it was just being as real and, and approachable as possible. Yeah. Ah, very cool. Yeah. No, I think it is. Uh, I guess it does the trick because yeah, you get a yeah, you get a feeling for the person most definitely more than just words. And yeah, I think even Emmett said some people might even buy your work uh, just for the fact that they like you and your vibe and want to support mm-hmm. you. It's not necessarily like yeah, it's, part of it's about the spoon. I'd love a new spoon, but I'd like to support this person. So I think that's a very right. powerful idea to like put yourself out there and let people kind of get to know you a, a bit. <laughs> yeah, and I know that idea scares a lot of people. You know, they, mm. especially this day and age, you know, judgments are plenty. Um, so yeah, it can be kind of intimidating to just mm. put yourself there and see if it sticks kind of thing um but i think you know by being authentic you will be more likable you know people who try too hard it's obvious so just be yourself and you'll attract the people that you want to attract um Mm -hmm. and the other people can go find who they want to be attracted to (laughs) yeah definitely what um what's the maybe a couple more questions i like to ask this one like uh the question of kind of what does it teach you because i think if we do anything for a long enough 
and we kind of ask ourselves the question, we can kind of get to know ourselves better, what something teaches us our tendencies or kind of how we deal with things. Like for me, for example, like what it, maybe it doesn't even teach me, but it shows me. And then if I let it be a lesson that I can choose, but I made the example in another podcast of I'm very impulsive, like with my spoons and I'll get an idea and I'm like, oh, get a spoon and quickly try some chip carving or painting or do this particular shape. I had an idea and I'm not one for planning too much or Mm -hmm. trying first or testing it on other. Yeah, I'm very much like I want to do the thing now and just go directly to it. So I, I definitely noticed this kind of impulsiveness about me, which I don't think is a um, bad thing. In fact, I think it gives me like energy, which I really enjoy that feeling of excitement and doing it. But it's also led to kind of mistakes where I'm like, ah, I could have just waited a little bit more and I thought about it and I wouldn't have had this problem. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's something that it it showed me about myself. Do you does anything come to mind if I um, ask you that question of like, what does it show you about your character? I think a while ago I realized that um, I could definitely use a little more, like you were saying, a little more preliminary thought. <laughs> mm-hmm. Plan ahead just a little bit. Like <laughs> about the bookmarks, I have to plan ahead sometimes months in advance for making sure that I have the stock cut so that it's drying so that when I need bookmarks, I can just slab it up instead of having to worry. Cause I mean, I used to, I used to slab the bookmarks and literally I would sticker the bookmarks so that they would dry with weight, you know, because I hadn't thought ahead enough to yeah. have already dry. <laughs> mm-hmm. so I, I now am way more, I mean, I don't want to call it structured, but um, I'm way more efficient with my time. Yeah. So I, I try to think ahead sometimes even just for the week. You know, I look ahead at the weather forecast and, all right, I have these five orders that I need to ax out or carve or fill a billet order. So which days will I need to be outside at which times? kind of mesh that with, you know, other schedules on the calendar and then go from there. Whereas, you know, before that, before that mindset had clicked, it was just kind of, well, here's today. Let's see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess if you're, yeah, for your work and being uh, productive, that can definitely help, right? (laughs) A bit of a plan. Uh And then, so it's obviously, no, like important to you uh, because you make your living from it, but also because it's kind of, I I guess it's something which makes you happy and brings you joy apart from no, an income. It's just something, yeah, something that means something to you. Why, why do you think that is? Do you know why it's kind of spoons and woodwork? Like what, what is it? What is it? I still aren't sure myself it's something about yeah being outside for me and something like you said it really connects me with that 
and it brings me in the moment like i'm not distracted i'm not uh i feel like i'm not wasting my time even though you could say it is a waste of time for me as a uh, someone for a hobby like carving spoons again and again it's like why would you need that but i feel like it's not a waste of my time and it's something very rewarding about making something from start to finish yeah. with my hands it gives me a sense of yeah pride fulfillment why do you think it is yourself that you enjoy um, it so much well two things number one um there and I haven't researched this, but I know that uh, humans connect with wood on a, on a, like an energy level. And it's, um, I mean, you know, the expression, go hug a tree, like that's mm. a legit thing. We, we can resonate with the tree. It's almost like healing. And that's when it's alive. But I think that it, it, stays even after like there's something about wood grain that just resonates with us so that's one thing <laughs> um the other is that it's very meditative um you know the whole mindfulness um practice and i've told people from the start that it's it's my therapy it's very zen for me um because it is it's a it's a practice in really paying attention to this one thing mm-hmm. and is you know why it's difficult for us to like put the spoon down and pay attention to our kid because it's we're immersed in this focus this meditation so to speak um so it's very good um even if it is a spoon that you just add to a pile of 20 that nobody ever uses you have learned something you've taken something away from it um because meditation and and self-help and just growing your own awareness and comfort and relaxation it matters it's huge um it's like people who just journal random thoughts you know Mm -hmm. you can 10 journals built up that you know it's you don't really want to read it back through yeah but in that time in that moment so it's it's not a waste of time at all it's very helpful yeah definitely and you're not for me like and a lot of people probably with the uh, social media feel the the pull of like that's one thing about instagram having it on your phone and using it can be really good but it can also be like a uh not so good thing right if we get too obsessed and looking at other people's work and scrolling and ending up god knows where or youtube and <laughs> <laughs> i can definitely feel that myself like it's crazy like how much time i i could waste uh really waste looking at at stuff and while i'm carving i'm like not doing that i don't know if there's people out there that are like <laughs> doing it with one hand and still watching uh tv or or scrolling or something but i think for a lot of people or for me it's like yeah i'm not getting sucked uh <laughs> down that rabbit hole I'm mm-hmm. there with my piece of wood. How and that's the thing about the um, when you actually do get together with people who are fellow spoon carvers is that it's almost like a, a group meditation because we're all doing the same things. We all get that being immersed in what you're doing, and yet you can still have a conversation mm. with the because they're kind of in the same <laughs> the same frequency level at that point. So it's nice. Yeah. 
no definitely that is very nice something uh i unfortunately don't have so many people around me that i do it uh so often with but yeah uh, at a festival I was at this year from uh, Riley, the uh, Fon Hand Festival, definitely experienced that thing of everyone working and kind of in their zone, and then you chat, and then you go back to work, and uh, it was really, really nice. So definitely can recommend for if anyone's listening, like, yeah, if you can look up someone in your area, I think that can be a really nice thing to connect and, and do it together. One, la- one last question maybe would just be, Wondering then if it's something, yeah, you're doing, um, you're putting quite a lot of time into. How is it like family influence with your kids and that? Do they, your daughter's helping you with the things? How do they, I don't know, are they, is it, I guess it's normal. You get used to everything that their mum's like making all these things from wood. Does yeah. it rub off on them? How's they, that? They each tried carving just a little bit when, you know, I was freshly energized about the whole idea um but it didn't stick not even a little bit um just not for them right now anyway um like you said my daughter she does help she does the the drawings for me um and now my son is helping with video editing so they each have their little artistic niche that Mm -hmm. helps my my business um but they don't they don't carve. <laughs> they yeah. don't have vibe that I do. So. <laughs> yeah. But that's cool that they still have their own way to yeah, uh, sort of take part, like you said, with your son editing and that. That's really cool that they still yeah, are somehow involved. And yeah. on some level, I'm sure, uh, like everything's kind of connected. It will rub off somehow and, yeah. See, see where they end up. Maybe later in life they'll <laughs> discover yeah. it or something, another craft or something, and uh, it will be interesting to see. Um, cool. Then, um, yeah. Then I would probably, unless you've got something else to to say, I would just say, yeah, thanks so much for making the time. I'm really happy. We we've been talking for a while, and then. Uh, yeah, really happy that we finally found a time where it works for both of us. And I'm not sure if there's any other other things you would like to say, something you have planned coming up or anything else. <laughs> I'm kind of the same thing for me. It's just yeah. keeping up with my Instagram peeps and local markets and balancing all the things. Yeah. Glad that we got to do this as well, that I finally made the time. Yeah. Yeah. Really happy to get to talk to you. And I guess, yeah, interesting thing now with the change of seasons, right? What's the here? No, we have autumn. It's got much colder the last days. We had a really nice autumn and um, just like today, it was really cold. I was outside again this morning and like, oh, I'm going to start to take gloves with me and things. How's the climate where you are there? Exactly the same. I did uh, an outdoor market yesterday and it it started at around 52 degrees Fahrenheit at nine in the morning. And by the time we left at five, it was closer to about 40. So it it was, I was cold. Um, And I just turned the heat on in the house today. So yeah, cold. Yeah. Yeah. 
Cool. All right, cool. Then thanks again, Rebecca. Have a good day. And uh, yeah, I'll keep watching what you're up to. (laughs) Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you want to follow the work of Rebecca, you can find her on Instagram at Rebecca underscore Larsen, L-U-E-R-S-S-E-N. I'm also on Instagram at Root Spoons if you want to follow my work. And if you want to support the podcast, you can do that by buying an Endless Possibilities carving t-shirt by following the link in my profile. Thanks for listening and happy carving. Happy carving.